Gentlemen, if you would please open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. We will be there here in just a moment. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1. And again, let me remind you guys, if you, uh, if you miss a class or you're interested in catching up on some of the other things that we've done, you can find recordings, audio recordings of our uh, classes online. If you uh, go to our uh, Sermons and Classes page, I think it's a Quick Links or Faith Resources, one of those, you can hunt and find a lot of that kind of stuff. So they, um, I, th I think it also comes up as part of the uh, King's Crossing uh, podcast. So if you have uh, like Siri or Alexa or something, you yeah, want to talk to them. And on YouTube, YouTube and Facebook with, uh, with some of our classes and things. Yeah. So Matthew chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, we will read verses 1 through 11. I'll read these for the sake of our audio recording. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. Then the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Then Jesus said to him, Again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. But Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and ministered to Jesus. All right. During this time of fasting and temptation, I want to hear what you think. How did Jesus feel? How did he feel? Hungry. Hungry. That's a good, straightforward answer there, Don. I appreciate that. Hungry. Who's weak? weak? Yeah. Man, I was... Uh, I went uh, until like 2 o'clock yesterday without eating. I was feeling a little woozy, kind of grumpy. Nobody else in here gets hangry, right? Okay. <laughs> Ron, I appreciate that little chuckle there. Yeah. Hungry, weak, anybody else? I say vulnerable. Vulnerable. Interesting. I started to cut below the surface there. I like that, D'Angelo. Yeah, after 40 days, it's right about the limit where if you've gone much past that, it didn't matter if you got to give you a human body. It's not going to get you through. Yeah. You're dead. Yeah. So he was right at the cusp of life. To the brink. Right there. Right there. On the edge. Yeah. Vulnerable, maybe in a couple of ways. We could dig into that in a little bit. What else? Hungry, weak, vulnerable. Frustrated. Frustrated. That's interesting, Jamie. Dig into that with us a little bit. Why? Why would you think he would be frustrated? Yeah. At the same time, when you're already in such a vulnerable state. 
Yeah. Yeah, especially when I think it's reasonable to assume that it was well within Jesus's power to turn these, uh, you know, these rocks into delicious Cheddar Bay biscuits from Red Lobster or something along those lines. <laughs> Just jump right to steak. Just jump right to steak. Yeah. Why even mess with that? It would have to. It, he could probably go with brisket, right? Because pork is pork is right out. Yeah, kosher. Yes, sir. If you had been not eating for 40 days, yes, you're going to be free hungry. Mm -hmm. But Jesus knew who he was. He knew the power that he had. Yeah. There's one word that Satan kept using that really would chap Jesus. Yeah. That one little bitty word is if. If. Now, if you Someone comes up to you and says, you know what? If you think you're so big, you jump <laughs> off of that foot building. And there is a tremendous amount of ego that comes up and says, I can jump off. Yeah. Hold my sweet tea. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Many of from those very those kinds of commercials. I think uh, those kinds of conversations, yeah. I think Pat's onto something here, especially when you consider this passage in the context of the Gospel of Matthew, where just immediately before that, what did Jesus hear God tell him at his baptism? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. If you really are the Son of God, then why don't you show me? Yeah, that would be frustrating. That is if the devil didn't know. Right. You know, <laughs> the devil has for a long time since chapter 3 of the Bible been trying to get people to disbelieve or misunderstand what it was that God told them. Did God really say you'd die? No, you won't die. This fruit's delicious. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, maybe you feel closer to the Father. Maybe he did feel closer to the Father. Stronger, in a way. Well, he was also Tony's lonely. leaning into something that we'll get to right at the end of class. He was also lonely by himself other than his Father. Gene, my man. Well, I think there's also the aspect, uh, and I think it goes off of both of these gentlemen's names. I still don't know. Um, I'll get there eventually. But it's, um, it's that certainty. Even though fully man and fully God, here he is, the son, suffering uh, on a physical plane. Right. But from a spiritual sense, that level of certainty. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's, we could spend you know, the whole hour kind of working through some of this stuff. But Gene said something here that I think absolutely hits the nail on the head after Jesus has been alone by himself fasting and praying in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. He's lonely. I think it's reasonable to say that Jesus is lonely. Is loneliness good or bad? It depends. It depends. Bad. Tom says bad. It's just bad. Being alone depends. Lonely is bad. Lonely is bad. Okay, so maybe we could get into some semantics here. It all depends on... Never mind. This we won't is a go common ahead. technique for interrogation. Isolation. 
Isolation. That's one of the things to do to break someone down mentally. Yeah. That's a known technique. There's that uh, really poignant scene in the Shawshank Redemption where he, uh, he uh, Andy Dufresne gets to tell Red that he had his music with him and he's like, you've got to take that record player in there into isolation with you. He's like, no, it was up here. It was up here. Yeah. During a typical week, how much time do you spend alone? Too much. Job can be kind of isolating, sure, especially if you work a desk job, yeah? Anybody else? I'm just curious. Uh, sure, it's different. Not enough. <laughs> especially when you have a contractor and three little kids, sure. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? Anybody else? Just about roughly, can somebody put a number on it? Roughly how much time do you spend alone? I'm only alone when I'm in my truck, which is, you know, enough, but probably, I don't know, an entire week. Five hours? Total of five hours. And I bet sometimes you're actually on the phone. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Being, being single uh, makes me uh, alone quite a bit. Sure, alone quite a bit. Yeah. I'd say 40% of my time. Maybe roughly 40% of the time, yeah. About 50 hours a week. About 50 hours a week. That's a solid chunk of time there, Reed. Yeah. Okay. It, it, Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, an acronym for HALT. And when people who are experiencing addiction get to those kinds of things, they're more likely to act out. Yeah, that's fair. Does that lonely time, or let's, just, let's describe it pretty neutrally, okay? Time alone. Try to describe it as neutrally as possible. Does that time alone refresh you, or does it drain you? Kind of draining sometimes, Gavin, yeah? It can go either way. Can go either way? I had a very stressful job when I lived in Laredo. Mm -hmm. But I had a bunch of ranches. I had permission to go out for the ranchers. Uh, by the time I got 10 or 15 miles out of town, going out to one of these ranchers, it was kind of like letting the air out of a balloon. Yeah. You know, it was uh, absolutely man boss that God was waiting to be rude would be easier to be, to be polite. You know? mm -hmm. It became friendly after a pretty loud conversation. Yeah. But uh, getting away, getting out, and getting away from that, uh, very helpful. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that time alone, generally refreshing. Drain you, Ron? I think it's, it's situational. Uh, mm -hmm. If you choose to be alone, it can bring peace. Uh, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, you know, an extrovert wants to be around people. Introvert, they like to uh, retreat and yeah. uh, be alone, be lost in their thoughts. Yeah. Solitude. Solitude. We'll get to yes, the yeah. difference between solitude and isolation here in just a little bit. Yeah, I think Derek. mine's a little different. Like, there's at least once or twice a year where Abigail has to go visit her family and I can't go because of work or something like that. Yeah. project going on. And, and you know, Night one, I'm looking forward to it. I'm like, all right, like, it's going to be quiet. I'm going to watch whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, man, as soon as I get home and there's nobody there, and that sound, like, the, the no sound is almost deafening. Yeah. To not hear it's, anybody. It's weird. Like, yeah. So I end up just sitting out on the porch and then going to bed at 8 o'clock. <laughs> not watching anything. I mean, it can be, but then I just miss them like crazy. Like, it's yeah. Just, 
Because I mean, it is a part of you. It's very hard much to so. slow down from like going, 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 and then mm-hmm. just like, oh, wait, I don't do anything? Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, I need to do something. Yeah. So. Joe, give me your comment, and then we'll keep rolling through here. Okay, there's a there's a 7,000-acre ranch brought um, um, by Sarita, and the uh, Catholic Church has a facility there called Lepshaman, and it's a community of silence. Oh, yeah. Mark, Mark, Mark Adams is a yeah, big fan of that place. Yeah. That yeah, and I've I, yeah I haven't been there in a while, but I've I've been there several three or four times, and and the purposeful loneliness or being alone can be really a good thing, and and it's like the like you were saying with the air blowing out of your balloon. Yeah, you know and. So it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. That could be a good thing. Especially at a time like that where yeah. you know going into it, all right, what you're gonna do I'm going to, yeah. yeah. So let's make sure we're all on the same definition of alone. Sure. Because all of, I average about 50 hours. It's also on the phone and on video calls and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm still interacting. But as far as physically alone, it's a yeah. long space. Yeah. Nobody's coming and going. Yeah. Reed's Reed's comment here is related to my next question. Can you feel alone even though you are with others? Physically with others? A lot of head nods. Yeah. Why? Why is that the case? Mentally and emotionally, you can isolate yourself from. What you say? Awful people tend not to want to be around awful people. Well, when you come in and you don't know anybody, it's just that first time you go to a congregation. Yeah. And you know nobody. Looking around. You know, go to church. I found this one, and you go. Yeah. And you're sitting here. You know, everything's familiar to you, but you don't know anybody. Don't know anybody, Gavin? Yes, sir. Lack of fellowship, yeah, and, and really the root of there of fellowship is something like the idea of companionship. Yeah, I think it's fair. Michael. Like I was saying earlier, for me, the last couple of days have been really hard for me. I just gave a presentation on, on stress and mental illness mm-hmm. and, and turn around and, you know, 6.30 on a Friday, suddenly I'm down. And I can't tell you why, but yeah. I also have this deep-seated feeling of nobody really around me understands what's going on up inside my head. Yeah. And I have, I've been going through counseling, you know, on and off for almost 12 years now. Mm -hmm. And I still can't verbalize what's going on up there and why I have that feeling. Yeah. But I can tell you, I was in bed until 5.30 yesterday afternoon Mm -hmm. and just that's where my head was at and trying to pull myself out of it. And my wife knows we've had conversations about when to intervene and when not to. Yeah. It's been a good thing to have. Yeah. Um, and, but yesterday was one of those things where nothing, none of the normal interventions corrected or, or helped me connect. Yeah. And it's that weird loss of connection about when you talk about being around other people and feeling lonely or being alone in those thoughts. 
sometimes it's just the to attempt to verbalize it mm -hmm. is just nearly impossible. Yeah. And I could be sitting next to either one, you know, any of you and having coffee and still feel like, yeah. Let me dig into the idea of connection there, because that is actually where I was going to go with this. Sometimes we can feel alone, even though we're physically with others, because we either feel unable to connect or, or for whatever reason we feel disinterested in connecting. And so let me ask, what can cause, what do you think can cause this inability to connect with others? Why do we find it sometimes difficult to actually feel like we really connect with the people that we're near. Both of these pride and insecurity. Pride and insecurity. And you mentioned Tom's right. Do those can be extremes, but yeah, I think you I think you hit it there. Lack of commonality. Lack of commonality. Sure. Yeah. I, well, how do well, I? I gave an example. Said lack of commonality. You shared interest in like that. Yeah. Read. Could have been an email. <laughs> yeah. But it, no, it was an all-day training. Okay. And uh, of course, people came from Laredo, all over the state, yep. uh, to be there. So we're packed in this room full of people that we hadn't seen in a long time. It's the first time I've been in the building for any more than three minutes at a time for 26 months. Yeah. And I had some definite anxiety. Sure. You know, the night before I didn't sleep. stupid little things that normally we would have never given a second thought to. Yeah. You know, previous. So it was kind of odd that I was having those feelings to me, but it's another one of those like, you know, we've come to church and been around people. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know why that got to me. So. Yeah. But it did. And so it's kind of like something, you know, Tom mentioned it. Like, it's, a, it's kind of a perspective thing. Mm -hmm. you know, like he said, if you're, even if you're in a crowd, you might still feel alone. Yeah. I want to dig into something that Tom said. Tom said that one reason, two reasons that can make it difficult to connect with others, pride and insecurity. I want to talk a little bit about insecurity some. I think, I think you can make the argument that at the root of insecurity is fear. To some degree, you can pick that apart a little bit, and maybe there's some other things about that, uh, about insecurity as well. But I think embarrassment. Yeah. embarrassment would definitely be a kind of fear. Yeah, I think so. I think so, Charles. I, let me ask, if it is fear, if fear is at a root of our inability to connect sometimes, what are we afraid of? If that relates to you. What are you afraid of? At the root level, pain. Pain. And we instinctively want to avoid pain. You know, we seek pleasure, we avoid pain. Sure. And the dominant one, oddly enough, seems to be if between two, the dominant is avoiding pain. Rather, <laughs> yeah. This is a, That's fair. Kind of a human nature. That's fair, Sean. Gene, you said we're afraid of maybe not being accepted. Well, maybe even being accepted sometimes. Or maybe even being accepted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I heard a I heard a word over here. Uh, rejection. Rejection. Yeah. We'll get to that one in just a second, Joe. The worst 
look like a fool. Could look like a fool. And that's so easy for me to do. <laughs> yeah, if you can, if you can just be so comfortable. <laughs> if you can just get to the point where you're so comfortable that you're not embarrassed, then yeah, that's the key. Get get to be so comfortable in your own skin. All right. Yeah. What if, if, I, if I'm the only one in the room that, that has this problem? Well, man, what a question. Well, see, Am I the only one? The I, I brought up those two extremes. Yes, they, sir. They can be tied as well, pride and insecurity. How, how are they tied together, Tom? Yeah. We as men, whether it is so stated or just implied, are supposed to be self-sufficient and therefore competent. Yeah. What if, oh my goodness, we display any incompetence? Mm. What if somebody finds it out? Yeah. Um, well, there's an insecurity, and my pride doesn't want me to reveal that. Yeah. Ruin our macho image. Oh my God. It could. Now, we should all strive to be like Joe, where we can make a fool of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not be bothered by Everyone needs to channel their inner Joe Alley. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's roll on here. I think, I, th- I think we've all kind of gotten to where we can at least, at least chuckle about it because, yeah, maybe that describes me and maybe that describes you. Sometimes we're afraid of what people might think about us if they truly got to know us. We might think to ourselves, you know, hey, the reality inside doesn't match what others think about me. And if they really knew, they probably wouldn't be able to handle it. It's better then to hide my true concerns, my true wants, my desires, my feelings, rather than to share them. Because what if I share them and it doesn't work? I experience rejection. Rejection. Just because, all right, just because I feel a certain way about something or someone, those feelings aren't objective guides to what is good, right, true and God-honoring, okay? Right, just because I feel a certain way. You might have heard somebody say, facts don't care about your feelings. Just because I feel a certain way, that doesn't necessarily mean that this is true. But, but I think we can carefully, prayerfully, and with others who want what is God-honoring good for us, I think sometimes we can use our feelings as a starting point or a springboard to learn more about ourselves, others, and God. Here's an example. We'll start with the self. What's the difference between isolation and solitude? Maybe choice. Isolation is something that tends to happen to us. Maybe. Solitude is maybe something that I tend to reach for myself. Maybe. I tend to think of isolation as a negative thing. When you hear isolation, do a show of hands, do you generally think of it as a kind of a negative thing, if you do? As opposed to solitude? Left out. I, I, isolation really does feel like left out. You didn't get invited. Yeah. 
you're the kid that wasn't picked on the team. You're the last one standing. Yeah. They picked the team and you're still standing. Still out. there. For sickness, they should say solitude yourself. See if it changes anything. <laughs> Instead of isolate, <laughs> yeah, solitude yourself. Isolate, solitude yeah. Yourself. Quarantine is such a is such a really healthy word. Yeah. <laughs> Re- reject all human contact. Yeah. When I think of isolation, I think of a quality of loneliness that heightens anxiety heightens anxiety and makes companionship feel distant or less real as opposed to solitude which I think is it, the way I see it at least is generally positive it's maybe solitude gives you an opportunity to engage in introspection and to recharge now what comes to mind when you think of introspection when you hear that word introspection what comes to mind Stopping and reevaluating yourself. Yeah. I like that, Jamie. Self-diagnosing probing. At least some self-diagnosing, yeah. Probing. All right, what's going on here, Joe? I like, there's a, a guy, a writer named Francis Schaefer, and uh, he always talks about back behind your eyes where you live. Back behind your eyes where, where you, you live. live. Interesting. Yeah, it's a really kind of weird way to think about it, that deep. It is. But it is true. I th- yeah. <laughs> we're well, looking out at the world mm-hmm. and all the other stuff that's in our head, you know, yeah. worrying and clicking. When I think of introspection, I think of something that is good and <clears throat> necessary for every Christian to do. Right. It's a healthy inward questioning. Notice that key word there, healthy. A, a good God-honoring introspection isn't, gosh, I'm so stupid, why did I do that? Mm. Guys, that's, you may feel that way, but that's not going to help. That's not going to help. What if you ask, well, maybe, maybe you're used to introspection when you hear something kind of like this. You ask yourself, all right, why did I respond that way when I should have said X, Y, and Z? And if you ever have those conversations or if you and something at work or at home, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I would have destroyed this guy with facts and logic if I had just been. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe here's another useful question to ask yourself when something happens. Why does this make me mad? Why do I? Why do I feel anxious when something happens? Ideally introspection like this can give you the chance to better learn why you are the way you are. You can also improve yourself. Very much so. Through meditation, positive affirmations, these are techniques yeah. that, you know, it's not just that you're, what am I doing wrong, but you're focused on, this is where I want to go. Yeah. I want to, I want to get my subconscious mind and my conscious mind in line in that direction. Yeah. That's what Western world doesn't really understand the word meditation very well. They, they think it's just thinking. Yeah. You know, it's a little more deeper than that. Yeah, I, I don't like to meditate because I don't like to sit on the floor. <laughs> That's basically what people think about it, Sean. I can't cross my legs. Yeah, I can't, I can't sit cross-legged anymore. Crisscross applesauce doesn't work for me. There's also, uh, there's also an aspect of introspection where... Yeah, Michael? That... And I think this is what came for it for me was um, 
I had to learn when was the right time to do introspection mm -hmm. versus when was the right time to be led in a conversation. Yeah, that's fair. Because for me, again, this is someone who has mental illness and has to deal with it. Mm -hmm. There is uh, a negative cycle that occurs over and over. Well, why did this happen? Well, because that happened, and because that happened. Therefore, you ended up back in here. So yeah. let's go. Let's, let's try. To, and you try to find yourself an offshoot. You know, where do I get off this freeway? And, yeah. and mentally, your brain just goes, "No, we're going to stay in this cycle for a little." So to do introspection at that point doesn't work. Yeah. And that's you get into that feedback loop where it's ultimately yeah. destructive. Yeah. And, and that's the interesting part of it too, because I also had to have that conversation with my wife. It's something the counselor recommended, and you know, there's a time where you need to talk to your wife, but there's also a time where you need to talk not now. Yeah. We can't talk about this now because it's just going to make it worse. Sure. And so we had to find a way, and it's hard sometimes because you're like, not now, and you're trying to say it nicely, but you don't know how. Like yeah. your brain. You can't get it out. Mm -hmm. So I think introspection is important, but it has to be done at a healthy point. Yeah. You can't just Healthy times and ways to do it. Yeah, there's yeah. a time and a place. There are other times where you just need to get, you need someone to help you get out of your own space yeah. before you can go back in and kind of sort through mm -hmm. the minutiae of what happened when and where. Loneliness can give you an opportunity to, loneliness in the sense of maybe being alone, mm -hmm. can give you an opportunity to learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. Loneliness can also give you an opportunity to get to know others better. I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that when you feel lonely, in the bad sense of lonely, in the negative sense of lonely, when you feel lonely, let me suggest to you this. Perhaps that is a way of your actual self telling you, hey, you need to, you need to try to connect with somebody. Or maybe your connections, I'm just saying, maybe you are feeling disconnected. And maybe there's something you need to do about that. Maybe when you are feeling that kind of loneliness, something's not quite right, and that's your body, that's your mind saying, hey, maybe there's something here that you need to kind of check on. Gene. Go out and do something good for someone else. That is a great way, a good practical way to connect with others. This book that I've been reading for, to prepare for this class, has, he has this great short little quote here. He says, loneliness pushes me to seek to be known. Loneliness pushes me to seek to be known. So if you ever feel lonely, maybe what you, maybe what you could do is ask yourself, have I genuinely tried to connect with family and friends? Have I been cutting people off? Or have I been embracing the people around me? Because sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. And that's perfectly okay. You should sing. 
That'll be the that'll be our class project at the end of this. We'll sing the Cheers theme. I was reading this book, this book, um, fifteen irrefutable laws of growth elements. You ever John C. Maxwell book? I think it's fifteen. Okay. But uh, part of it's reflection. You know, like so when you're at work or whatever, and you know you're in a new job, you know, take time out at the end of the day to go back and reflect on all the things I learned, the mistakes I made, because over a week, a month, and you know you. you you know, once yeah. the ball gets rolling, it's, it's hard to start reflecting. But you really want to, especially as a Christian, you take that time alone, this time of reflection. Why did I react this way yeah. to my wife or my children? Let me think about this and go. Because if you don't go back and reflect and take that time to reflect on what you did, and, I, you know, the next day goes, comes, and then, yeah. you know, things get swept under the rug, and you just go on about your life and never address what's going on inside yeah. It starts to repeat itself. So I think that time of reflection is important in career, mm -hmm. you know, spirituality, wherever. Yeah. I, I think it's a good point you made in that book. So easy to let things hide in the fog. Also, if you have times of loneliness, you experience these times of loneliness, do you need this backpack? All right. Hi. I knew she needed that backpack. I just wanted to see her. <laughs> okay. Also, times of loneliness can lead you to greater, lead you into a greater relationship with God, with yourself, with others, but with God. Here's a rhetorical question that I think we can all answer pretty quickly. Can you have all your needs met, good friends, etc., and still feel like something's missing? I remember being shocked uh, a few years ago. I heard, uh, I, I think I heard an interview with, with Tom Brady talking about how like, he had just achieved everything that the NFL had thrown at him. And he was still kind of like, yeah, I just kind of wonder if there's something else to that. It's like, Tom, his name is Jesus. <laughs> That's what you need. Now, that sounds like the church answers you're supposed to give, right? Well, yes, Kevin did. You can have everything and you still need God. Okay, yeah, we get that, right? That's the church answer, but here's the truth. The truth is having, by having a deep relationship with the one who created you in his image in the first place. And remember, image there in Genesis 1 means something like commissioned representative. Right? Commissioned representative. By having a deep relationship with the one who created you in his image in the first place, you become part of that eternal community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by being created in the image of God, who is perfectly in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are created for that same profound quality of love and trust and companionship, and you won't ever truly be alone even when you find yourself fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus didn't eat food during that time, but like that one time that Jesus told his disciples that he had food they didn't know about there in the Gospel of John chapter 4. Jesus proved his connection with God. God himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, exists in this perfect community. And men, brothers, 
does something to that for us. I want to read you some lyrics of probably one of the most honest songs that we sing at church. It is not the Friends thing. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. It's the theme to Three's Company. <laughs> Once I stood in the night with my head bowed low in the darkness as black as could be and my heart felt alone and I cried, Oh Lord, don't hide your face from me. Hold my hand all the way, every hour, every day, from here to the great unknown. Take my hand, let me stand where no one stands alone. Like a king, I may live in a palace so tall with great riches to call my own, but I don't know a thing in this whole wide world that's worse than being alone. Hold my hand all the way, every hour, every day, from here to the great unknown. Take my hand, let me stand where no one stands alone. Take my hand, let me stand where no one stands alone. If you ever hear Elvis sing that song, it sends cold chills all over you. Yeah. And I, Gene, I thought for a, for a long minute there about doing my Elvis impression for you. <laughs> Got the wig in my office, too. I think this is one of the most honest songs we can sing at church, especially for the men, because right or wrong, the idea is you're self-sufficient, you're all competent, you don't need anybody. The lone wolf is a great image. Goodness, Clint Eastwood made a career on the lone wolf. Chuck Norris to some degree, too. But that's, that's just not a way to live. Not a way to live. Yeah, Joe. Wrap us up here, Joe. We're no, over time. So, in the Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit is something that um, if we continue to seek, continue to knock, do all of that, um, that will happen. We will grow spiritually in love, joy, mm -hmm. and patience, and all the rest. I'm glad that self-discipline is the last one. It must not be as important. <laughs> Self-control is the last one for a reason. I don't know if it's the hardest or the least. Go ahead and eat the full size of pie, not the small size. You'll work your way to it. I mean, I think it's something that happens. Mark always talked about floaters and swimmers, and there's some people that sort of float spiritually and just sort of float along, and they get they develop. And there's some people that work really hard at it, swimming like crazy. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the current will carry you along if you just hang on and, you know, study and be around fellow believers and all yeah. of that. So you will grow. Uh, it just depends on how fast, how much how much fuel you put into the, into yeah. the Holy Spirit there. So, you, but, you, uh, I got a Gene, uh, last comment and then I'll wrap us up. <coughs> Eat like a pig, all along, but I want to lose weight. It ain't going to happen. 
Yeah, unless all you're eating is lettuce. <laughs> yeah. To wrap up here, loneliness, it, it can hurt. Honestly, it can hurt. But we can find a way to let loneliness work for our growth and development. Let those times of loneliness give you an opportunity to learn something about yourself, to be willing to admit that maybe you do need good, God-honoring, meaningful connection with others, and do not sever the relationship that you were literally built for, relationship with God. Hold on to His hand. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a good day. Thanks, Kevin.